Hello, my name is Tepiwa Museba, and this is episode 15 of the Commercial Awareness Podcast. As you may have noticed, the episode is released on a Monday as opposed to the regular Friday release schedule, and this is as a result of a poll run on the podcast's Instagram page over which release day is preferred. This means that at least for the next few weeks, the podcast will release on Mondays, and I'll run a poll in a few weeks to reassess the majority's happiness with the release day. If you did not vote in the last poll, and would like to be more involved in the production of the podcast, please follow the podcast on Instagram at comawarepod. That is C-O-M-M-A-W-A-R-E-P-O-D. Now, the headlines. Ashurst has launched a graduate scheme for new law roles such as legal operations and project management, called the Ashurst Advanced Pathway Program. Fieldfisher merged with Irish firm McDowell Purcell, citing it as a business-friendly EU jurisdiction, following firms like Evershed Sutherland and Simmons & Simmons as they prepare for Brexit. In other new launches, Burgess Salmon is opening in Edinburgh. Amazon.com is testing a program aimed at providing a cheaper, faster alternative for merchants on its site to settle patent disputes using neutral third-party lawyers, according to reports. This could be a system other companies and marketplaces could use to lower access to law and incentivize the use of patents. Six startups have joined the first cohort of Slaughter and May's new Collaborate Incubator, a program launched in February that will focus on the development of new programs in the legal sector. Jones Day and Travers Smith have advised on the £185 million IPO of casual dining group Loungers. The Office for National Statistics says 31% of graduates are overeducated for the job they are doing. London had the highest proportion of overeducated workers in the UK, with about 25% overqualified for their job. In a follow-up from episode 12, the European Commission will formally begin an investigation into Apple's practices after Spotify's complaint over Apple's uncompetitive tactics in their App Store. And the final headline, Representatives from the four social media giants have been summoned by the UK government to meet with Samaritans to discuss how to purge self-harm videos and other content from the internet. This is after the UK government has announced plans to make social networks more accountable for harmful content on their sites. As always, links for all headlines will be in the description. Now, the longer reads. In a follow-up from episode 13, the Competition and Markets Authority has officially blocked the Sainsbury's and ASDA merger. In its final report, the CMA concluded that there is no other way to address their concerns about the merger than to block it. To recap from episode 13, the CMA highlighted some concerns about the merger, and in particular, how the merger would significantly lessen competition, leading to higher prices for consumers, a looming fear already as a result of Brexit. Sainsbury's and ASDA claimed there were significant errors in the findings by the CMA and accused them for a, quote, stringent and interventionist approach, end quote, and even claimed that the merger would lower prices by 10% on average, amounting to £1 billion worth of lower prices. Some have criticized the logic of the CMA's decision, citing the freedom of choice customers would still have that would drive prices lower. As I said in episode 13, this does not seem to just be a UK problem. The European climate for mergers between market leaders seems apprehensive at best, considering the European Commission blocking the Alstom and Siemens merger in February. I also feel the need to repeat the final comments I shared at the end of the episode about this. Again, 
This is a story that can be read from both the future lawyers and current consumers' perspective, and hopefully framing it in that way can help you form your own opinion over whether a country's second and third largest supermarkets should be permitted to merge to consolidate their businesses, especially in the midst of a looming Brexit that has already been projected to hurt the consumer. Even larger than that, you can ask yourself about whether you believe a government or interstate body should be allowed to prohibit two companies from merging and to what degree they should be involved. In conclusion, there is no correct answer to any of these questions, but it does provide any budding lawyer with an opportunity to find out more about where they stand and whether their views change by looking at it from a lawyer's lens and a consumer's lens and why they do. Credit for this story goes to Jonathan Ellie, Jim Pickard, and Owen Walker. The second read is that Company's House is planning its largest overhaul in 170 years in response to alleged abuse of the current regime. This is amid concerns that the Company's House is being abused for money laundering and tax evasion. The proposals include giving Company's House power to verify the information of those controlling and setting up businesses, which is, shockingly, power the system currently does not have. More issues with the current system include the statistic that nearly 3,000 companies list their beneficial owner on the system as a company based in a tax haven, which is against the rules, and that over 2,000 persons of significant control of companies on the registry were disqualified directors. In addition, according to the Financial Times, 76 beneficial owners listed in the company's house are also on the U.S. sanctions list. There is not much else to say about these reforms, but to apply it to your commercial awareness, one would like to imagine that any companies you form in your life are not to commit fraud to circumvent regulation. This would therefore imply that any commercial lawyer or company would be happy with the company's house reform. However, the future need for more verification may mean that the formation of a company may take slightly longer than in the past, but regardless, such new power should increase confidence in the system. Such confidence, though, may be subject to any further powers proposed by the Department of Business, Energy, and Industrial Strategy, as any more power may spark a debate similar to that of the CMA's supposedly interventionist powers as a result of the Sainsbury's and Asda story. Credit for this story goes to Caroline Binham. And finally, it seems as if a recent effort to curb Big Four control may be halted by Grant Thornton's potential departure from FTSE 350 work. The Competition and Markets Authority is intending to require FTSE 350 companies to employ a second auditor outside of the Big Four to work alongside their incumbent and assumedly Big Four accountant. According to Sky News, as Grant Thornton is the sixth largest audit firm, its presence in these new plans are seen as quite necessary for its success, but David Dunkley, head of Grant Thornton's UK operations, has informed other accounting firms that they were not certain to tender for new joint audit work. This is an interesting story as it reflects the difficult job the CMA has in trying to reduce the Big Four stronghold and increase competition, but also reflects the fragility in the plans if all it took to kill the recommendations was for the sixth largest firm to show apprehension at being involved at all. It also asks larger questions into accounting firms beyond the big four, considering Grant Thornton's involvement and controversy in the Patisserie Valerie accounting irregularities, and yet the CMA depends on them here to create any effect to their recommendations. In regard to the big four and their opinions on the CMA recommendations for joint auditing, they have all been receiving legal advice from law firms, and to this point, none seek to oppose the CMA's proposals, which may say all we need to know about the proposals in the first place. KPMG is being advised by Linklaters, EY is being advised by Slaughter and May, Deloitte is being advised by Freshfields, 
and PwC is being advised by Norton Rose Fulbright. To conclude, this is not the first time we have spoken about the Big Four, and it will not be the last. A new question to ask, however, is whether the CMA's recommendation for joint auditing would, or would have, increased competition and curbed the Big Four's oligopoly, and if not, what would? Credit for this story goes to Mark Kleinman. This has been the Commercial Awareness Podcast. The links for all the stories will be in the description of the episode. Please rate, share, and subscribe. Follow the podcast on Instagram at commawarepod. And thank you for listening.